welcome to 2015, our first Sunday of 2015. We're starting a new series entitled Otherwise. If you have your Bible, if you'd take it and go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we're going to begin there. Then we're going to be flipping over to Psalm 119. So we'll start out in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. But I want you to think of, you know, it's, it's just amazing how fast time does move by, isn't it? Uh, we were just gearing up for Christmas, now we're putting Christmas away. And uh, if you go out to all the, to the home improvement centers, you'll see that they have every, every storage bin under the sun is discounted right now, right? They want to help you organize your life because they have something to sell you. And uh, it's, it's a fun time to organize and we start to get our life together and we start to think about a new direction in life at this time of year. However, I was reading about, uh, about New Year's resolutions and I saw that only 6% of all people who make a New Year's resolution will keep that resolution. Isn't that exciting? 6%. That means 94% of us have, will not do that. And so there's all kind of things that, uh, that people get excited about. So with that being said, we're not going to talk about New Year's resolutions. Because 94% of you won't keep them, right? Uh, we're going to talk today about how to live a life of wisdom. How to begin to get God's wisdom into our life. Um, if, there, if we're going to accomplish what he's called us to do, there has to be another wisdom, and it has to come from him. Uh, the first point in your notes this morning is that God has provided a higher wisdom for you to accomplish his plan for your life. He has a plan for your life, but he has, he has not left you uh, unequipped to do it. He has given you this wisdom, and it is a higher wisdom, but it is not the wisdom of the world. It is higher than what the world offers. It is, it is God's wisdom. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 is where we're going to begin reading today. And uh, as we begin to read, let's just look at the wisdom, that, how the, he contrasts the wisdom of the world versus God's wisdom. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. And bring, to and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. I like this other rendering of verse 19. It says, as the scripture says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligent, intelligence of the intelligent. Now think about that. There are many people who say that they, they have a hard time understanding God because of their intelligence. Because it doesn't make sense to them. And God here says that I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. I have a, a, somebody that's very dear to me has been struggling with a lot of doubts. And this person, we had a great conversation over the holiday. This person said to me, says, but I just, I just have a hard time with all this because of what I know about science and what I know about other things. And I told this person, it's okay. You are searching. You're heading in the right direction. You're trying to find Christ. But I reminded this person of verses like this where God says, that, that he is not trying to fit into our wisdom. It is his wisdom. Our intelligence is not what matters. It is God and his wisdom that matters. Verse 20, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of the age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign, and Greeks seek after wisdom. It was nothing new, is it? Uh, a lot of people were seeking wisdom. The Greeks, they've been doing that for, 
for, for many and many, many years, as we see from biblical times. They were seeking after wisdom. Jews were looking for a sign. Look what he says, verse 23. But we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews it's a stumbling block, and to the Greeks it's foolishness. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the strong. And the base things of the world, and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. There it is. That his presence keeps coming up. And the reason our wisdom is not enough is because he doesn't want us to glory in his presence. But of, but of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption that as it is written he who glorifies let him glory in the Lord so today as we begin to think about wisdom we see that the world has a wisdom uh, you can get wisdom from certain people and they have a certain degree of wisdom but there's an element of God and the God element is going to give you the wisdom to be able to make those decisions that you need to make. We have to make decisions every day of our life. Decision to follow God, decision not to follow God. Decisions in your home, decisions in your family, decisions in your finances. Some of you are dealing with educational decisions. Some of you are single, thinking about those big decisions. Who will I marry? You have to bring all of them into God's wisdom. And as we bring all those decisions and we look at everything that we have to deal with in light of God's wisdom, it changes everything. Because you have wisdom, you may get wisdom from somebody else, but we want to get wisdom, most of all, from God. Here's a few thoughts about wisdom here. When we think about wisdom, first, we often think about simply the art of learning how to succeed in life. I think everybody would like to succeed in life, wouldn't we? Everyone wants to know that at the end of my life, I've had a successful life. I've done well, I've raised my family well, I've had a successful career and a comfortable retirement, right? That's where we all kind of think. Um, we want to succeed in life. The second part about wisdom is considered to be uh, some, is to be uh, the philosophical study of the essence of life. And certainly if you go look in the Bible at the books of Job and Ecclesiastes, um, it, they seem to deal with those issues of the essence of life. And last but not least though, is this, uh, this idea that the real essence of wisdom is spiritual. There is a spiritual dimension to wisdom that, that can only come from God. Um, it's not about just following a set of rules and being rewarded in, in some physical manner. Undoubtedly, there's, there's wisdom that comes from God. Proverbs 2.6 says this, For the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. If you want wisdom, where are you going to get it? Are you going to get it from somebody else? We're going to come to the Lord. The Lord is the one who grants wisdom. And so it will take observation. It will take instruction. And it really begins with God. And it begins with faith in God. 
So the Lord grants wisdom. Psalm 111 verse 10 says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If you want to have wisdom, you start there. The fear of the Lord. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. I want you to think with me, though, that word fear. When I think of the word fear, I think of fear. I think of being afraid, like I've done something wrong, like I am shaking. And really, God is not necessarily, that's not what this verse is driving about. If you go back and you, you look up the meaning of that word fear, it also means this concept of reverential respect. And so I have this respect because of who God is. That he is the almighty, the all-powerful God. And he is on his throne. So I have a reverential respect and fear. That's the type of fear. I'm honored to come into his presence. And so God wants us to be honored to be in his presence. He wants us to have a sense of respect. Another rendering of that verse says, The beginning of wisdom is the awesomeness of the Lord. The beginning of wisdom is the awesomeness of the Lord. That really helped me because I've always dealt with that fear like, well, why am I not afraid enough? And really, it is not this shaking in my boots fear. It is the awesomeness of the Lord fear. See, this is an awesome, almighty, all-powerful God. And I get to come into his presence. And in humility, I get to humble myself and submit before the Lord God Almighty and, and seek his, his wisdom, seek his will for my life. So if wisdom to make, you know, we're looking at wisdom to make a better decision in your life, to stay away from temptations that will lead you away from the things of God. We're, we are so tempted every day to, uh, to walk away from the things of God. Uh, just, just by things that, that we would say, well, it was harmless. Uh, but uh, we're so tempted to walk away and give up our first love of God. It's going to come through the Word of God. If, he, if it comes from God, how are we going to get it? Oh, it has to come from the Word of God. Um, there, you know, we live in a day and age where we have so many tools. Our libraries are overflowing with books. Uh, your Kindles, your iPads, you have the books on them. They're on your phone. I listen to a phone. Well, you know, when I'm, I, I listen to a book on my phone while I'm doing other activities. It's amazing how many books that we have about God, yet our culture and, and society seems to be missing the heartbeat of God. See, because it's not just an intellectual experience. It's not just information. Information is certainly part of that. But that is the only the beginning. Information is where it begins. We're driving past information to the heart of God. So when we look at the Word of God today, we want to go and we want to go deeper into the heartbeat of God. And we want to get His wisdom straight from His heart. If you would take and turn over to Psalm 119, verse 97. Psalm 119, verse 97. And as you're turning there, I'd just like to give you a little background on Psalm 119. It's, a, it's an alphabetical acrostic. This, it was written in Hebrew. That, that book was written in Hebrew. And so in the Hebrew language, there are 22 letters. There's 176 verses. This is the longest single chapter of the Bible. There are 176 verses. If you take those 22 letters times eight lines. So each stanza has eight lines. And some of your Bibles will have that, that Hebrew letter at the beginning of each stanza so that you can... Follow that along if you so choose. But the first eight verses, every line begins with the first Hebrew letter of the alphabet. And then 
The second stanza begins every line of all, of all those eight verses begin with the second Hebrew letter, and the third, and the fourth, and so on. So today we're going to read one of those stanzas of this Hebrew acrostic uh, that, that God has given to us. And isn't it interesting, the whole Psalm 119 is all about God, it's all about His Word, and it, it's just powerful. I would encourage you to go home and read that over and over and over. Uh, David Livingston, the famous missionary doctor in, in South Africa, uh, who went to South Africa as a missionary doctor, it was said that he memorized the entire, the entire Psalm 119 at the age of nine. They even gave him an award for that Bible memorization. They gave him a, a Bible. They gave him a free Bible. And I'll tell you what, if any one of you would go out and memorize that and come back, we'll give you a free Bible too. I think that's pretty good. 176 verses. You may want to start uh, one, stanza the, one stanza at a time. Only eight verses, but... I will choose the one verse at a time method, all right? But uh, it's important as we hide God's word in our heart that we get, to, we get to know who he is. It opens up his character so that we can have that on our mind constantly. That's what David Livingston's did. He, he opened up his heart and as a young boy. And look what God did in his life. The second point in your notes is if, we're going to, if we are going to gain this wisdom from God and it comes from his word, how do we do it? First of all, is to develop a love for God's Word. Psalm 119, verse 97 says this, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. You, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all of my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients, because I keep your precepts. The psalmist here says, Oh, how I love your law. The word for law there is, is, is Torah. That's, uh, and you'll hear, you can still hear people, Jewish people today, refer to the Torah. It's the law of God. But when I think of that word law, I get that feeling of law. You know, like policeman. Like you're a bad person, law. Okay? And what he's coming here and saying is not that type of feel. It is more the feel that this is my guide. See, the word Torah is actually in the Hebrew. It's derived from a root that is the realm, it comes from the idea of an archery term. And it means to shoot an arrow in order to hit a mark. And so what was the mark? God. And God's revealing himself to us. And so as, we, as you go back and you read those books of Moses, the Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, as you read those, those books, you'll see not only who God is, but you'll see how short that we come in the presence of a holy God. And so he, the psalmist here, David, is saying, Oh, how I love your law. How I love your law. And he uses the word love, and it's not just, he's not just saying, Oh, I love the, the word of God. He's saying very passionately, and you notice it has an explanation point there. Oh, how I love your law. Oh, how I love. It's a passion. There's an affection for the word of God. And remember, they, they weren't walking around with a Bible. He's writing the Bible at this point. He's, he's penning it. So they had the laws of Moses. And it wasn't in their homes. It was in their hearts. And so he says, oh, how I love your law. The word how, oh, how I love, that tells us that there were other things that he had to love less. Other affections, and we deal with that too, don't we? 
There are so many affections in our life, so many things that, that come after us to get our attention, and we have to prioritize these affections. And he says, oh, how I love your law. Above all else, I love your law. It is my meditation all day long. He says, not only am, do I know it, I am thinking about it. I am in love with your word, and I am thinking about who you are all day long. Now, you say, I'm asking you this morning to develop a love for the word of God. How do you develop a love for the word of God? Well, it's like how you develop love for anything. You have to give it time. Give it time and set it before you constantly. Um, you know, when, when I first started to date my wife, 20-some years ago, um, it was time that made the difference. I didn't need much time. She did. <laughs> she needed more time than I needed. I, 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 I got that figured out pretty quick. I was in love, right? But she really fell in love when she fell for me, right? But she, after a while, she finally saw us, and it was through time together we said, wow, we actually do enjoy being with each other. There's something here that we like about each other. We enjoy being in each other's presence. And this is what happens when you get into the Word of God. You enjoy being in His presence. It takes time. It doesn't happen immediately necessary. You develop a love, a commitment, and you work on that. And you develop that in your life. I give it your attention and care. Look after the Word of God. It is my meditation all day long. That's what the psalmist is saying here. He's saying, I meditate on it. I think about it all day long. I give it a listening ear. You know, and, and so true today, we can, you can listen to it on your devices. You can open it up in, uh, on your phone or your iPad, and you can listen to it. Uh, but more, more than just physically listening, actually pay attention. What is God saying in His Word? What... You know, when I sit down and look at the Bible, I ask myself a couple questions. Who is God in this passage? What is God revealing to me about himself? I love that. That helps me. And then I also ask, what's he want me to do? And it's pretty simple. But it's through having a listening ear. Give it your honor. Honor his word. Respect his word. Give him that fear, that the awesomeness of who he is. See, when, it, when you were dating, when you were going through that dating relationship, you remember the awesomeness of that relationship. And that's where a lot of marriages go wrong because they forget the awesomeness of each other. They forget of how wonderful this person is that you've chosen to marry. And we, yeah, it was fun while we were dating, but it's got to continue. We have to continue to enjoy each other's company. That's what God wants us to do. I've been walking with the Lord for many years now. I came to the Lord as a seven-year-old little boy in this church. But my love for him is stronger today than it was when I was seven. And stronger than it was five years ago. And I hope five years from now will be stronger than it is today. Because I spend time with him. I, and I'm, I'm paying attention to who he is. Give it your dependence and trust. When you open the word and it tells you got to do something, do it. Do it. It's not always pleasant, is it? Uh, in, in relationships, it's not always pleasant. But sometimes there's things God says, hey, you need to do this. So, okay, God, I don't necessarily want to do that. But I'm going to follow you. I'm going to respond. Because you have spoken to me. The word of the Lord, he has spoken to me. Uh, there are many ways that you can learn 
uh, the, you can learn truth, that you can learn wisdom. Look here at some uh, in, in the passage there, verse 98. He says, I have more understanding than, my, than all my teachers. Okay, um, I'm sorry, verse 98. You, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. He says, your enemies, do you realize you can learn from your enemies? Some of them are pretty smart. But God, here the psalmist says, God has made me wiser than my enemies. Why? Because of who he is. Because I love his law. Um, for they are, his, uh, his commandments are forever with me. He says that you can learn, uh, not only can you learn from, uh, from your enemies, you can also learn from teachers. Look at verse uh, 99. I have more understanding than all of my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. So how do I learn more than my teachers? My teachers, I have great teachers. How do I, have, how was how he wiser? Because of his meditation on God's word. Uh, and then he, said, he uses the next verse, he uses the word ancients. He says, I understand more than the ancients because I keep your secrets. You know those elderly people, those ancients? You know when we go up and you, and you like to learn something from them? I had an ancient who lived next door to me. He was, uh, he was in his 90s. Joe Z1, he was a great guy. And I would go over and I would uh, borrow a tool from him. You know, every time I go to borrow a tool, it took a half hour to come back because he would tell me a story. And there was so much wisdom that I would get from his, from his stories. And he would tell me about the war and he'd tell me about this and he'd tell me about that. And I would gain some wisdom. And then he would come over and follow me over while I was using the tool and supervise me. You know, just to help me out a little bit, for which I'm so thankful and I miss him dearly. He, uh, he's passed away. But I'll tell you what, the wisdom is, there's something more than just learning from a person who's older. Just because you've lived life and you're older doesn't mean you have the wisdom of God. You may have wisdom of experience. But God says here, he's telling us about a wisdom that can only come from him. The spiritual aspect of wisdom. And... Uh, so when, when you think about wisdom, wisdom is seeing things from God's perspective. So as you look at the situation, you, you have decisions you need to make. Should we do this? Should we buy this house? Should we go here? Should we go there? Uh, you know what? It all has to come from God's perspective. So we bring his perspective into the situation. Thirdly, learn to respond to God's word. Learn to respond to God's word. He says in, this, in, in the psalm here, verse 101, I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. I have not departed from your judgments, for you yourself have taught me. So he says, listen, I am obeying his word. I'm responding. When I see the scripture tells me something, I'm responding to who he is. Yes, God, you, you've laid out what you want me to do. You know, the Bible is so full of wisdom. The Bible has given us so many practical things to help you in your daily life. I have a friend that has read the uh, book of Proverbs. And he reads one chapter a day of the book of Proverbs. There's 31 chapters. He reads one a day and he's done that for years. And he's underlined everything about business because he has his own business. And he underlined everything about business. And he's going back and he says, this has is, this is helped me in my business. You could do the same thing for relationships. You want to know how to have a better marriage, it's in there. You want to know how to, how to uh, walk in all the ways of life, it's in here. And so as we come and we get God's perspective on these issues, we're able to see how, 
how that wisdom will help you in your life. Uh, lastly, but not least, is th that God's Word is enjoyable. I want to encourage you to enjoy God's Word. And this is where sometimes I think we get off the track. We forget that it is enjoyable. Look what it says here, so verse 103. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Though, uh, through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. He says that they are sweeter than honey. His words to his taste are sweeter than honey. That's an enjoyable experience. Sit down and have some honey. You know, there's so much good to honey. It has a lot of medicinal purposes, and you can go out and read all about what honey can do for you. But isn't it interesting that honey has that sweet, sweet taste? And, and the psalmist here comes and he says, I have the sweetest taste. That's, that is the sweetest thing he could think of. And he brings it in and says, I have the sweet taste of God. Because his word to me is like honey. And I love it. I love it. It was the sweetest thing that he could describe. How sweet it is. And I want you to think about how sweet it is. When you read about the fact that God is sovereign and fully in control of everything that is happening in my life. And ultimately that he manages the whole universe. How sweet is that? When I read that he will never leave me nor forsake me and that everything works together for his good in my life, how sweet is that? And when I read that this world is not my home and that my home is in heaven, a place where God will wipe away every tear, how sweet is that? Start looking and saying, wow, look, look at how sweet God's word is. Come and enjoy his word. Don't just come and crank through it. I think so many times we, we get our devotion. I hear people tell me that I, oh, I did my devotion. Well, that's great that you're doing your devotion and that you're devoted to it. But God wants to go a step further, that you actually enjoy him. Enjoy him, getting together with him. When you open his word, you're getting together with him. And if you haven't been opening his word, guess what? You're missing out getting together with him. Um, I love the statement, let God's word get into you before you get into something that you will need to get out of. Let God's word get into you before you get into something that you will need to get out of. You know, there are so many things that are, that are, are coming after us and vying for our affection and our attention. And so God's word must be in us. And as we develop this relationship with God, we develop learning from Him and let His wisdom come into our heart, come into our life, guide us. He helps keep us away from the things that are going to be harmful to us and harmful to His plan in our life. But what happens so many times, if I just drift and I just slowly, I'm not meeting with God and I just kind of start to slow fade. And I just kind of slowly fade away and I haven't been meeting with him, and I'm not meditating on his word, what happens is I begin to fill my time with other things. And they may be harmless at the start. And then I slowly fade over, and I just keep getting further out. And eventually I'm into things that I need to get out of. And I want to encourage you to make a lifestyle that seeks him for his wisdom. We're going to be talking in days that come about many aspects of wisdom. Many things, practical things are going to help you in your life, but it comes to a submission. It's not necessarily information. It is a submission to the Word of God.
And as I come and I submit to him, this will change my life. There are a few thoughts here today as you leave. Uh, I'd like to encourage you to go and check out our Bible reading plans. Out in the foyer, you'll see that we have several Bible reading plans. The first one is the uh, 365 days a year. It's 365 key chapters. It's one chapter a day. That's it. You could read one chapter a day in 5 to 15 minutes. And, uh, and just give that self the time. It's a guided tour. And as you open up his word, you'll find out that uh, the 365 key chapters, it's kind of like a highlight. Starts in Genesis, goes all the way to Revelation. If you get behind today, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Just keep going. If you miss two, three days, it's okay. Just jump back on the track. And so here's the plan. As you leave, they're out there on the table to the left before you go out the door. And, uh, and you, you can just read that and check that off each day and it will help you. It's part of your spiritual life plan to help you develop a plan to grow in Christ. To help you know the wisdom of God. Um, the Bible, here's another plan that we have out there. This is the Bible in a year. This, pass, this particular plan will take you through the Bible in one year. And it goes, my, all the dates on here are selected scriptures from Monday through Saturday. Sunday's dates are not on there. Somebody came up to the church the other day and said, hey, I noticed Sunday's date isn't on here. It's because you're supposed to take that day, either you can take the day off or a day to catch up. We realize that 365 days is a long-term commitment. If only 6% of people keep their, their, their resolutions, we don't want you to be a casualty. We want to help you to make a commitment, not a resolution, to God. I want to encourage you to go home and begin to meet with God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for this time that we can meet together in your name today. Uh, I pray, Lord, that you'll take these thoughts that Ken shared with us and just... Uh, uh, just plant them into our hearts and help us to be more devoted this year to doing your word uh, than ever before. Lord, we thank you for our congregation and their love for you, and I just pray that you will minister to each and every one of us today in a special way. On this first weekend of the new year, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing our closing song.
Wonderful to 